You see them cast around arcane symbols and jewelry, or drawn around you in designated sacred space, one of the most basic symbols used in daily ritual. Why is this shape arguably one of the most powerful tools in your practice, and how might you use them in your daily life? We're going to deep dive into all things round on Witchcraft Deconstructed. This is Reverend Wade, your resident wizard. And this is New York librarian witch Cassandra. And on this episode, we are going to be tackling what I think is one of the most crucial symbols. I think if you learn any particular one symbol that could have the most effect in your life, I think this is it. I think this is the one thing, if you could boil it down to one symbolic tool, and that is the circle and and the sphere. And I want to kind of go into like the differences between the two. Uh, but I think those items right there, or those together, however you choose to review it, either in a three-dimensional way or in a sort of a two-dimensional way, whatever is easiest to imagine, is, is in my opinion, maybe one of the most powerful tools in modern witchcraft. So what we're going to do is we're going to bring up some questions that had been pitched to us, and we're going to tackle those. So the first one I'm going to get started with is me asked, what's the difference between the circle and the sphere? Is it meant for the same thing as doing your own personal ritual spells and meditation? Um, you know, I sort of see them in a lot of ways as being the same thing. Um, it depends on how you sort of uh, begin to break it down um, and how you're looking at the work you're doing. Um, you know, I think when you say um, we're having circle tonight, um, that is a little different um, in that context. Um, it's also a very um, physical presence when you're with other people in ritual or doing magic, um, or even on your own, um, the way I would circle on my own is definitely different than the way I circle with multiple people. Um, and so for me, I think the difference comes down to, um, the circle being a part of your physical space in the middle of whatever working you're doing or ritual or magic, you know, whatever, whatever, your focus is the circle is here in this world. Um, but I think a part of the circle, then if you're going to get into the more formal idea of ritual and traditional witchcraft, whatever, however you define that, whatever tradition you're practicing, when you're in circle with people, you build the sphere, um, which is then in both realms, multiple realms, you know, sort of the idea of the world tree and the upper world and the lower world, the underworld, whatever you want to call it. The sphere is then what you build uh, to walk between the worlds, um, which is, I think, one of the things that as a witch, as, as I identify as a witch, is one of the most crucial aspects of my identity of being a witch, of being a priestess, um, when you look at mythology and you look at famous witch figures, they are people who facilitate, um, you know, conversations with other worlds, with prophecy. Um, they see beyond this world. And so for me, that sphere that you build after you are circling is what allows you to do that. That covers so much. So I, I when I when I think of circle and I think of uh, the sphere, I, I guess... What I really am thinking there is, is I'll usually do the same. It'll it'll be both. Like it depends on what I feel like tackling or imagining in the moment. 
Uh, they're both going to do pretty much the same thing. Their whole goal here is to divide you from a world that's that's outside of sort of a reach that you're you're secluding yourself, you're isolating yourself, you're saying my entire universe is within feet of me. Anything beyond that is outside of this realm. And and I enjoy the phrase, you know, it's a time that has been separated from time. It is a space that I have designated separate from space. And that while I can see beyond it, it is not my world anymore. Anything outside of it, I drop. And it gives me a place to be very free. It gives me a place to focus. Anything outside of that circle no longer matters. And we see little examples of this peppered throughout uh, our, our social structure, throughout nature. We see this being used as, as a tool to focus one's attention in. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie uh, Zorro. <laughs> With Antonio Banderas. One of my favorite scenes, and I use this in my training, is when when Antonio Banderas is going through training. And the guy who plays Zorro, what was his name again? Um, he's a freaking fantastic actor. Um, I can see him. We all know who you're talking about. <laughs> Anyhow, he's being trained. But the point is, is that he's, he is a very spry young guy. And he's being taught by the guy who is Zorro to be his predecessor. But he has to be trained. And he says, this is the training wheel. Nothing exists outside of it. Nothing exists outside of it. He's like, well, what about my enemy? Nothing exists outside of it. Everything you do here must be focused on you doing it here. And it makes you hyper-present, hyper-aware, hyper-focused. It is your place to restrict your universe to a space. And, And in fact, one of my favorite things is oftentimes people have trouble imagining casting the circle. And again, we'll end up using a finger or a wand, whatever you want. But the gist here is that it's really important that you literally go in a circle, in a rotation all the way around. What you're really doing is you're casting a space. You're using your imagination to communicate to the back of your head that the, the floor is lava. Have you ever played the game The Floor is Lava? Like when you're a kid, you're jumping from couch to table to table chair. And in that moment, everyone's agreed. If you touch the floor, it's hot, it will kill you. It's a game. But the back of your head is like, okay, I'm willing to buy in on this. And you can feel the panic. You can convince yourself to feel that panic when you almost fall off that chair. Right? And that's kind of what you're doing here. You're using your imagination. You're kind of visualizing. And some people have issues with visualizing. But you're visualizing where that boundary is. And you're saying the floor is lava outside of this boundary. And the back of your head at that point, when you say, I believe this thing is real. And I believe that the space within this thing, within this circle, is the only safe space and the space that I'm allowed to be free. Then a part of your mind says, okay. I agree. You have shown me where the boundary is, and I understand the importance of it. Now I'm going to make you feel like that boundary is important. And thus, there is this becomes this temporary uh, feeling, if you will, that stepping outside of that is somehow breaking this, this, this uh, protective barrier that you've created around you. You'll no longer feel protected. You're respecting that space as being impenetrable, and you're obeying those rules of it being impenetrable for the sake of feeling secure and allowing yourself to open up. And, and in a nutshell, when I think of like casting a circle versus a sphere, uh, for me, it's a matter of imagining 
But oftentimes when I'm in a larger group, it's going to be a sphere because I want to recognize more than just the four directions. I want to recognize that there's a top and a bottom to this space. You know, and and you can assign whatever deities you want to this sort of top and bottom space. But the place that you're walking on is then imagined to be mirrored underneath you. You're walking in the physical realm while a mirror of you is walking almost underneath you. And there is that sort of that crossing between the two spaces, that existing between two planes of existence. One plane is the half dome on top of the earth. The next plane is sort of like the underside right? The, the flip side that's walking underneath you. And, and thus, having that mental connection, telling your mind to say, this is two parts of a sphere, I'm creating this sphere, I'm going to feel protected within this, and I'm going to specifically walk between two planes of existence. If you can imagine that, if you can set that symbol up in your mind, then a part of your mind will say, I'm bought in, let's do this. And then that shapes your paradigm in the moment, for potentially experiencing those kinds of interactions. And it is the coolest thing coming out of Circle for me a number of times was not only fuzzy, but time really did change. Like my person, you know, three hours could go by and feel like 10 minutes. There are times where I was in Circle and uh, I'd come out of Circle and I would have only but the fuzziest memory of that time in that space. Uh, and it's just it's just an unusual experience, but your mind is bought into it, and sometimes it doesn't get bought into immediately. But I feel that I feel that it can take time, and uh, and eventually it will. You know, when I'm I'm starting to teach beginners uh, or people who have never been in the craft, um, teaching circle is one of my favorite things uh, for a lot of those reasons. Um, but it's always really amazing to me. In teaching how to create a circle or a sphere, however you're going to go to go about that, um, showing new people the, the actual energetic boundaries that get created um, and how the world feels in a circle versus how it feels outside of the circle. And, you know, a lot of ritual for me is about focus, right? Everything you do, every action you take, every tool you use is a way to focus your energy on whatever, uh, you know, thing you want to accomplish out of that energy. And so for me, um, casting circle, um, is always the, the, the really like the, the building blocks, the basic part, the, you know, the beginning of ritual. Like for me, there's almost two parts of ritual and the, the first part is casting circle. And then the second part is whatever working, or whatever reason you're there to do, because that circle that you create, um, no matter who's there with you, even if it's just yourself, is that act of focusing um, that you're talking about and putting yourself in that mentality. Um, and it's like every every step of that process brings me more into alignment with whatever focus I am there for. Um, and so for me, like, I, I love ritual. Ritual is one of my, my favorite things. Um, no matter no matter what ritual you're doing, right? Like you can do rituals in everyday life, but um, those acts of casting circle, like each each little step of the way, will bring me further into that moment and like help change my mindset. And I really like um, teaching circle to new people and showing them how that process works. 
um, to teach a lot of focus and meditation as well. And it's like, you can literally feel yourself, you know, if you're, you know, at this point, like, this is how you should be feeling. And then this is how it feels when it all comes together. Um, and I think that's a really powerful tool. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of people when they're coming into paganism or witchcraft or um, wizardry or whatever, whatever thing you're practicing in these regards, um, the circle is, is one of those, those first things you kind of hear about. And it's, it's one of those really just powerful tools that um, I think really changes your mindset in regards to whatever other learning you're going to do. And those building blocks are so important, not just for ritual, um, but also just for practice in general. Um, and I also think it's a good way of not just having a boundary for yourself or, you know, protection. It's also about invitation, right? And teaching boundaries when you're, you know, reaching out across whatever worlds you're, you're looking for. It's also um, a, a, an invitation and a, a way of teaching etiquette, right? Um, it's very much a, you know, here's how we are going to treat the circle in this place, but then it's also extending to deity or spirit or energy, whatever it is that you're, you're working with or whatever your goal is, um, that circle is a really firm boundary and invitation as well as protection. And I think that's also a really significant aspect of, you know, doing whatever working, um, and having that invitation and putting yourself in that position. So um, I do like your, your floor is lava <laughs> explanation of that. I hadn't thought of it like that. Um, but I also like teaching students or showing students how the circle feels inside the circle versus how it feels outside the circle. And I, I do think we get a really caught up, like, like you were saying, like we have this boundary firmly in mind. You cannot step outside the circle, um, but you can. And I think it's a whole lot of fun, especially when you're teaching to go mm -hmm. in and out of a circle. And like, because it, it, for me, like, you know, you're in circle, it's hot, it's warm, like there's all this energy happening. And then you step outside that circle. And it changes. It changes. It changes immensely. And like the few times, um, you know, I've had to leave a circle for whatever reason um, has come up. It's always super disorienting to me especially in the midst of ritual to leave circle and leave that, that inner space, that inner world. Um, and I really like, I think it, you know, it's somewhat romantic maybe to say, you know, the, the, the old phrase we're walking between worlds, but that's how I feel when I'm in circle. And um, I, I feel like that, that in and of itself is a really powerful feeling. I, I liken it to, I, and I imagine that, I think the experience is similar to the difference between sitting in a chair amongst the audience versus being on a stage. They're two very different worlds. And even if there's no one in a, a theater, and I mean like a theater with a stage, right? Even if there's no one in the theater, standing out looking up at the stage makes you feel like you're looking at something from the outside. It's designed that way. There is a there is a feeling, but when you go up on the stage and you see all of the chairs angled at you, you now realize that you've crossed a barrier. There's a threshold. There was a line that you stepped over when you came onto the stage that puts you into a different place. You're no longer somebody that's on the outside. You're somebody that's on the inside. 
And I, and I think that's a really cool learning technique is the ability to cast that circle and then to have people leave the circle and view it from the outside and then to come in. That there is, there is a feeling and to be able to say, here is the line. That place where that feeling goes from outside to inside is the line. And when I welcome you in, it's very much like Vegas for me. Uh, and in fact, I've even used that term before. You're entering Vegas. What happens here stays here. You're not going to leave with and allowed to say anything about the experiences within this space. This is this is a separate space and it's a separate time. It'll, in order to have that trust with others, everyone else has to agree that we can be open and we can be honest and we can be loving individuals. I mean, like just like sincerely, just loving of human beings, right? Caring of human beings. Um, I don't mean that in any method or, or, or means otherwise, just, just a love of humans being human within this space and that everybody needs to buy in to that safety, which means you come in with an agreement. And oftentimes that agreement can be very drastic because whenever you're coming into a circle, whenever someone invites you into a circle or you invite somebody else into your circle, you are asking them to, to, to be two people. You're asking them to be their mundane self, but you're asking them to be their magical self as well. So oftentimes you're communicating to two people. You're communicating to a person who's listening, and then you're communicating to a back part of yourself that is feeling. And you're really trying to communicate to both equally. And oftentimes that doesn't happen outside of a circle, but that's really what you're trying to do. So when you set that circle, what you're doing is you're setting a boundary of a feeling. And it's that feeling that you'd mentioned, that difference between being on the inside and the outside. But you also have a feeling of security and safety and, and that you can say what you want to say and do what you need to do within that space and to know that when that circle's closed, that space doesn't exist, that time doesn't exist anymore, and you, know, you did and said what had to be said at that time, and that no one's going to carry that out and hold it against you. And that's another thing that I like. Sometimes it's dramatically done. Uh, there's a phrase that, that was used, which is, uh, when I was being trained, my high priest would hold me at the edge of the circle and pull out his knife and put it against my chest and say, it would be better for you to throw yourself against my knife than to not come into this circle in perfect love and perfect trust. And at the time, I was just learning. I didn't really have the feel, and I thought they were just, you know, fancy words for keep your mouth shut or you should kill yourself. But in reality, I realized that he was really speaking to the part of me that needed to feel like everyone else was on the same contract and that I needed to buy in before I could come into that space. And I, I appreciate that more now than I think I did when I was first learning it. Uh, so that said, uh, why, would the, why a circle for creating a safe space? Uh, Angela actually asks this question. Why is the circle chosen for creating a safe space? Um, you know, it, it's seamless. Um, you know, <laughs> it's natural. Um, you know, I, I guess it, it depends on, on how you, you are doing ritual, but I've never seen any, any group of people just automatically stand in a square. <laughs> you, know? you could, um, sure. You know, you, you could choose any shape, but, um, you know, for me, when I'm, I'm casting circle, like I don't even, you know, it's funny because you, you asked that question and in some ways I've never even thought about it because it's just the natural like urge to create it feels right um you know it's it's uh you know i you want to go create a cube like 
sure, you could go create a cube, you know, or, or a square or a triangle or uh, an octagon, you know, whatever, whatever feels right in that sense, I suppose. Um, although I would, I would say that might be interesting to, to watch ritually, but um, might be me interesting to see a ritual where someone thought that they needed, you know, a specific uh, shape in this sense. Um, and like the reasoning behind that, I, I wouldn't say that that's impossible or you know, undoable or even impractical in some ways. But um, I do think that the the circle is one of the most natural forms and shape uh, to do automatically. And again, you know, when you're, you're teaching people like some of this stuff, um, you know, you want to make it, I don't want to say easy, it's not easy, but there's a certain level of not having to think about it at a certain point, once you've done it so many times, um, and I think that the circle falls into that, um, you know, like I'm, I'm not thinking about holding a cube, <laughs> you know, when I'm, I'm casting circle or sphere. Um, I think that would be a, another level of focus and determination, which you could certainly bring to your practice. Um, I'm not saying that you, you couldn't or that even that you shouldn't, but, um, I think the idea of the circle, um, you know, our, our world, we, we live on a globe, we live amongst planets. Um, so when we're talking about walking the worlds or being between the worlds, that sphere is is very um, inherent to our nature and how we think about different worlds and different places too, right? Um, you know how our world is set up. Um, so yeah, so I think the the circle is is just natural in that sense. Um, I kind of want to do a cube ritual now, I have to admit, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> There's a part of me that kind of tweaks on that. I, I Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you, you can uh, certainly uh, justify anything you want in this sense, right? And, you know, maybe it, it does. Maybe it makes perfect sense with the, the ritual or working you're doing. But um, I do think, especially in, in terms of, like, when you're working with multiple people, um, everyone knows what a, a sphere is. Everyone knows what a circle is. So um, mentally connecting together on that energetic level, that's something you don't have to teach people. You know, um, you don't have to describe it. You don't have to say, oh, well, our cube is eight feet by eight feet by whatever. Um, everyone knows what it is. You know, you don't you don't have to worry about that. And, you know, in group workings, at least, um, I think that's also very important um, that, you know, you don't all have, you know, everyone has a different idea of what things look like or visualizations or how they feel. Um, but I think there are some things that are really, really basic. And I think the circle falls into that. I would totally agree. I think, I, and again, when we talk about trying to communicate to that part that feels the magical self versus the mundane self. I think you could imagine a square. I could say, you know, my, uh, my circle is uh, one couch long by three couches deep or something along those lines. Like I can imagine a space. Uh, but when you're trying to convince the part of you that needs to feel it, that this is a secure space, that this is an impenetrable space, there are very few shapes that really are super strong. And there's a reason why when we are talking about, you know, strength in objects, there's a feeling, like an inherent feeling, like you're trained from a child, maybe even further back, to know that something that is round is very strong. And when you start to really look at that, and you start to look at the qualities of that, you know, I can sit here and say it feels strong. But the fact of the matter is we make, we make tires round for a reason. 
It's because when you throw a tire at a road with something sitting on it, the energy of the road hitting the tire rolls around the other side. Whenever you throw something at a sphere or something that is round, the energy doesn't find a fault because it's the, the exact same proportions everywhere. It literally ripples around the object, meets on the other side, and comes back to the front. It redirects or it rolls around. When you're talking about rocks in the river that no longer move any further because they've been worn down, that's because the energy of the water has made them round. And as such, the energy of the water now flows around those round objects in the river. When we're talking about holding pressures and gases, it, you know, you'll see, you know, when you look at like the space shuttle and any number of rockets on the inside, the interiors, these are round spherical areas for high-pressure systems to occur, for gas to be stored, because it handles, the shape handles pressure from the inside very well. And when you're talking about going down to the depths of the ocean floor with tons and tons of pressure per square inch, a perfect sphere is the best submersible for going the deepest. It will protect you that much because every point of pressure is the same on all sides, and it literally acts like a keystone. Every point on a circle or sphere is a keystone that allows everything else to pressure against that. So, and you know this, we know this, we know this from the stuff that we see in nature, and we also see that reflected into your, your waking, normal, busy world. We know that circles and spheres are incredibly strong. And if you need to feel an object, if I'm to convince you, that you're walking into a space that is impenetrable. A square isn't going to do it because you know squares crumple in the middle. The corners are strong. The middle sucks. Same for triangles. Same for anything that's got a flat edge. But if I tell you this is a sphere, there isn't a single point of weakness that's any weaker than any other point in that sphere, in that object, in that space that you're trying to imagine. And your mind accepts that. Your mind's like, this is a sphere, and you're telling me I'm in a perfectly secure space, and I can open up, and I can feel whatever I need to feel? I buy that. It's true in nature. It's true in the world that we walk within. That makes sense here. Anything else kind of has a bit of a, a, a nagging flaw in logic. Like, if I was to walk in and somebody was just to do straight lines from one quarter to another, that would drive me nuts. I wouldn't feel like it was strong. I really wouldn't feel like um, it could very well also just be habit and some degree of training, but I just, I wouldn't feel like that is impenetrable. I don't care what story you tried to put up, like this is a castle, it has four walls. No, that that imagery doesn't sink to the core of me that really feels that symbol. Well, the amount of concentration I would have to put into maintaining a shape like that, right, to to make sure that that strength was maintained, I think would just be impossible in this context. Well, what you're really, what you're really saying is it's difficult to suspend disbelief. Yeah, yeah. With that shape. Um, and it also, you know, I, I really like your explanation. And um, but it also makes me think of, uh, you know, when we were kids in gym class playing with the parachute, right? Love the parachute throw the parachute up and you go underneath it and you, you create a dome and like there's all these things you do with it and I think in that sense too the, the circle as you were saying is just a much more flexible flowing 
changing, you know, it can absorb and put out and bounce. I, I like sort of the idea of the bounce too, you know, um, of energy, like when you're in it, like you were saying with the, you know, uh, the submersible, you know, taking that pressure, like a, a sphere or a circle can take that pressure in a way that other shapes can't. And, uh, uh, can flow and move with however, you know, your, your working is going. And I, I think that's a really powerful thing. I, I, and that's one of the reasons why I like the circle so much because there's so many, when we, when I do training, you know, the first thing I'll usually ask when we're talking about really core basic stuff, like we're talking about now, super meta stuff, as I say, I need you to go out in nature or to go out into your world and find me examples of this thing. And then they usually will take that and they'll come back and we'll just explore every one of those examples. And it doesn't matter if it's a picture uh, or or if it's just a personal experience or something. We can we can take that and we can work with it because wherever there's an example of that symbol, there's a real good likeliness that you're going to be able to trace back some sort of um, I want to say sort of like a, a gut feeling lineage to the core of what that object really can do. And and you can use that. So one of the, one of the one of the tools that I use actually the first tool that we implement is uh, the marble. So when we're training, I have all of my students go out and get a marble, like a big one, like not like the little marbles, but I mean like a shooter marble, right? And color is totally dependent on on the individual. Like I don't really care what color it is. What's really important for people who have trouble trying to visualize. Visualization seems to be like one of the hardest things, I think, for people who are just getting into it. Because visualization requires kind of going back to the thing that you're taught not to do, which is to pretend. Like when you were a kid, you used to pretend, you used to visualize your your dolls or, you know, your super figure action heroes in certain poses and doing certain things. Like that's that's a skill that requires practice. And it's, I think, one that a lot of people go away from because they're taught that that's a child, childish thing. Like, you know, you should leave pretending and make believe behind when, in fact, it's a super useful tool. So what I'll do is I'll have them go and get a marble. And some of our earliest work will just simply be rolling the marble in your fingers while meditating or casting your circle. You're able to feel something round, something hard. That you can that you can kind of you know textualize in your hand and imagine it growing bigger, like the marble is in your hand, but you are now in the marble, and to make that as big as you need it to be, and to be able to carry that with you on a daily basis, and when somebody gets in your face, no matter how close to have the marble in your pocket, to be able to reach down in a moment where you feel like you're being attacked, like you're exposed or unprotected, and to be able to roll that marble in your hand and to expand that circle or that sphere from within yourself out, and then to put them on the outside where you are on the inside to create that line. It, it, it literally takes that and breaks it down, and then all of the inherent properties of whatever somebody's throwing at you emotionally can just wrap around that circle. The circle, your sphere, your personal sphere can take it. It can take it and it can go about the other side or it can be reflected right back at them. The point is, is that it's not going through it. It naturally goes around it no matter how much they put at you. That to me, that's like a, a great sort of walking tool, even in, a, in your daily life. If you're not casting an official circle that you can use it to kind of help bolster your, your feeling of protection and your feeling of safety and security in, in moments that are really trying. Um, I think that's one really important aspect when talking about these things um, is the idea that 
these things, and and you can do it with multiple things within ritual, but especially with circle casting, that this is not something that just has to happen in a ritual context. That this really is something that you can utilize in your daily life with your interactions with the rest of the world for yourself. Um, you know, no magic has to be involved, right? You know, you know, you don't have to be calling on deity or doing some great working or, you know, just whatever it is. Um, I very much, it, you know, and as I think that was something that maybe because some of these things are, are so basic on such a, a basic level, like even as we're having this conversation, it's been so long since I've had to think about some of these really, really basic ideas that like, I, I don't think about them anymore, right? Because it's just a really inherent part of my work. Um, I think like as a very young baby witchling, little battling, whatever you want to call us back, back when we're, we're new to all of this, um, no one ever really said to me that, you know, casting a circle or having a circle was something that you you should do outside of formal ritual. And, like, that seems really obvious, um, but to me it wasn't. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little slow on the uptake. No one teaches that. It's not in the books. It's not in any book that I've ever known. It's always been – it's a separate space. It's like a stage at a theater. Uh, you have to come to it. You have to be on the stage. Uh, yeah, that's not that's not something that's really taught. But, like, I had a really amazing breakthrough moment in my early 20s when I realized I could do this at work, um, you know, like you're having a bad day and someone's coming after you over something that you can't control, you know, whatever emotions are high. And when I can just sit back and imagine my circle for myself, um, that was a really like powerful moment for me in just my, my regular daily life. Right. You know, it was a, a way to control situations that I didn't have control over and contain that energy and make sure that the energy I put out there was the energy I wanted to put out there versus, you know, maybe the temper I was trying to control or my upset or whatever it was. Um, and so when I, when I am teaching students, I, I like your, your marble exercise. Um, I may steal it from you later. It's something I, I really try to emphasize that, you know, a circle is not something that has to be done in any sort of formal setting. It doesn't have to be done a certain way. It doesn't have to be with so many people. It is something you carry inside yourself. Um, and, you know, depending on traditions, you know, they'll teach that a little differently, but we all carry that circle within us. Um, and that is, you know, it's one of the really root basic parts of being a practitioner of any sort, that that is always inside you. It is always with you. It is always at your service. You can expand it out or bring it in as much as you need to. And um, it's something that you, you carry with you constantly and can be used. You know, I, I've used it on airplanes in the midst of bumpy rides, you know, when you're like, oh, Lord, we're, we're going down. The, the lady is calling us, you know. Uh, what, what, I, what I love about that example is that you're flying in, in a spherical compartment that is designed to hold the pressures. Like there's an internal pressure that's pushing out, uh, you know, but it's designed to hold internal. Like I don't have trust in the sphere that I'm flying in. 
or in this case, the tube that I'm flying in. So I'm going to create my own sphere personally to help buffer the sphere that I'm not having a whole lot of confidence in. Exactly. You know, so. But it, it helps though. Like it, it shifts you. It does. So, and, and again, it, it puts you in that mindset, right? Of I have control over a situation that I don't necessarily have control over. But here are my boundaries and here's my invitation or, you know, my no, you can't cross this line. Um, so, you know, and, and I think it's really important in any aspect of craft, however you define that or practice it, um, to see how that is a part of your everyday life. Um, but I think we don't teach or maybe we, we have an expectation that at a certain point you inherently understand this idea of the fact that you carry the circle within you. And like, I know some traditions do make that fairly clear. Um, and like, it's, it's sort of a, a you know, it's a, a learning process where you want to bring someone to that understanding through, you know, whatever exercises or practice or whatever. But um, I, it's pretty rare. Like, I don't think I've, I've heard very many people just come out and say it you know, at least outside of, you know, a circle itself or a teach, you know, teaching learning moment. And I think it's something that you, you really should begin with, that this is not just a tool for this specific moment. This is something you always carry with you um, that you can utilize to help you in, in many various ways. Um, and I personally have found it to be a very um, useful ter- tool in terms of grief, depression, anger, um, you know, those really strong emotions that you um, have to live with sometimes as you're, you're out in the real world, right? And you can't always show those faces of yourself to the people you're around. Um, and, and so carrying that circle with you is, is a, a, another tool at your emotional disposal as well as your magical one. Um, and again, like there are multiple layers to this, but um, I think that maybe we should say that a little more clearly sometimes <laughs> with with people who are new to this because it is not as obvious as maybe those of us who have been practicing for a very long time uh, think it is. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really wish I'd had a teacher somewhere along the way who had said that. I usually pick up on nuance. I'm, I, I think I, I can, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not lagging in those areas. But, yeah, it was a moment of like, oh, this is something that comes with me no matter where I'm at. I, I, there are a couple of points that you had that were kind of inspired, uh, one of which was control. I think a lot of people come to the craft because they feel a lack of it in their life. And what they're looking for oftentimes, and this isn't everyone, but oftentimes what I find is is people are coming from a place where they feel out of control. They feel um, abused. They feel a need to deal with a conflict in a way that is not direct. They're looking for some other means to feel like they have a, a grasp or an effect on the world that they otherwise aren't able to have outside of this. And, and that's how I think a lot of people come into it. I don't think that's how a lot of people leave. I think very quickly people realize that uh, this, this concept of control is a very personal thing. The idea that if you need control, what your circle does for you is it allows you to, well, I'll put it like this. Let's say you're in a very busy city with a lot of busy streets and you're, you have a, a big door to your house that is open that says, anyone welcome. You've got no control over who walks through the door. You've got no control for th- uh, over how people come at you, um, how people are going to come through your private life. 
you know, how they're going to come trompsing through your house. Uh, so you'll wake up in the morning and you're always going to wear something that is going to keep you shielded, keep you from being naked at least. Um, when you're in your living room, you might be wearing like decent clothes, something that you wouldn't want people – something that you would be okay with people coming through your house because your door is wide open because they are coming through your house. They are invading your space. So you're always going to have sort of this air up, this shield, this this barrier um, that is that is your overcompensating. Whereas the circle is kind of like putting a door on that house and making it so that you have a space to basically break down into the jammies and wear those 24-7 if you want to. Who cares? Uh, you know, to go dancing naked through the kitchen while making dinner if you want to. No one's going to see it. Uh, it allows you to open up a sort of a space of freedom. And people don't have doors on their houses anymore. People come at them and they're just triggered. And what people, I think, struggle with, particularly in this social media online kind of thing, and I'm, you know, I'm very hooked into social media too, is that you'll see something that emotionally triggers you and immediately you want to respond. And what's really happened there is that you opened the door and somebody tromps through your life and emotionally hits you. And you are responding to that with no controls. Somebody is emotionally exhausting you. And when you have the circle, what you're able to do is you're allowed to put that outside of the circle. You're allowed to say, you know, hold on a minute. I realize that I am being triggered. I'm, I'm kind of ultra aware of how I'm emotionally taking this. And I now have the choice to put that outside of my circle or, or to send it off into another orbit. And, and not be pulled in like this thing wants me to. And it's it's having the circle gives you that control. And I think when a lot of people come in like the – I've told students, if you walk away and the only tool you've learned is creating a circle, then you will be a hundred times better for it if you practice it in the future regularly. Because like you said, you can literally kind of pull it out and you can expand it and your mind has already bought into that space. So let me ask you, do you feel like that's something that requires time to sort of train up on like a Pavlov's dog sort of response? I definitely think it takes time to learn how that energy functions, how to control those boundaries how to do it without thinking about it. I, you know, that, that idea of focusing, like, you know, when you start out, you know, there, this is how you do ritual. This is how you cast circle and you have to do those steps every single time to, you know, get that same energetic feeling, but you do it over and over and over and over and over again. That's why we call it practice. And then you hit this point where you're like, Oh, I don't have to hold my wand this way, or I don't have to do this thing or I don't have to call on this spirit or the elementals or, or whatever it is that you've been taught to do in terms of casting that circle you hit a point where however you know you've been taught to do it um, and again there's so many different ways right um, there's so many different visualizations and, and feelings and emotions whatever whatever those things are you hit a point where you can just pull it out and it's there you don't have to do anything it's you know it's it's just a part of you it's a, a a presence constantly. Um, you know, I can sit here, I can feel it. I can push it out there. I, I don't, you know, I don't have to get up and I don't have to be at my altar table and I don't have to have my tools and I don't have to have the, the, you know, different people involved. I can just do it myself. Um, but I, I do think that it's, you know, and as you know, you were saying it's, you know, it's not so much for me in, in thinking about the idea of control, 
I think we start out a lot with that idea of control, um, as you were saying, but then what it turns into being is not so much about control, but isn't um, having the, the power to affect the world around you the way you want to impact it, right? Like you are putting out there, you have the, the power and the ability to affect change in any circumstance. Um, and I think so that in and of itself, that, that idea that as a witch or a wizard or, you know, however you identify as a practitioner, you have the power to affect change on the world around you um, is a really, really basic thing that we have to really um, take into ourselves and learn on a personal level. You know, that's different from for every single person who's going to follow this path. Um, and having the confidence to do that and, and to feel like you have the power and the right to do that also, um, I think is a part of this process. You know, you're not just, um, coming in and throwing down some energy and saying, oh, this is a magical barrier now in my house that whatever. Um, it is a, I am, you know, casting a magic circle between the worlds into realms I don't belong to necessarily. And I am inserting myself in those places in a way that I'm taking ownership for. So I think there's that level of understanding your, your personal power and ownership in terms of your space and your energy and how that affects the world around you. That is also a really important part of this process. Um, and you don't just, you know, I, maybe there's some brilliant, um, very self-aware people out there who could just walk in and be like, okay, this is what I'm doing now. But I think most of us, you know, when we come into this for the first time, there is that level of, you know, do I even have the permission to do this? You know, um, you know, is, is there a right way or a wrong way or, you know, whatever that is, like you as an individual have to gain that confidence and that experience by doing it over and over and over and over and over. It, yeah, absolutely. All of that, yes. Uh, it, it's very much like having access to a telephone and feeling like you need to make permission to make a telephone call. Exactly. You know, and everybody has a telephone. Everybody's got that. And and this idea that, that uh, you shouldn't be able to use it, that somehow it's cheating the system in some way. Uh, and in reality, everyone's already using their telephone. Like everyone's already using it to call, whether or not they know it. They're already tapped into that. They're already using it. It's just whether or not you're cognizant of it. And it's almost as if, if by being a part of of knowing about that system, that you get painted in the light of somebody who is who is you know manipulating it. And manipulating is such a strange word because so many people use it as a, a negative thing. It has a lot of negative connotations like, oh, I'm being manipulated. I was manipulated by that person. It means like somebody's lying to you. They're doing some sort of effort that is is outside of your realm of viewability until it's too late. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that manipulation is just the ability to, to take a situation or a subject and have an effect on it that, that has an effect. A desired effect, like it, your effect on it, causes it to change in alignment with what you wanted. You do that every time you go to the store and you pay money for food. I want the food. I'm going to manipulate the situation by providing money to someone who knows that that's the correct communication for exchanging value for a product that I want. We've done it. <laughs> I used my cell phone. I've manipulated the world around me with a little bit of money. I can now walk out with a can of Coke and feel okay about that. Uh, and I feel like people who, who kind of come into this, 
they think that it's it's artificial or that it's above nature, and I think it's actually really digging deep into the gears of nature. I don't think it's above. Like I believe it's meta in the sense that it's information behind what you see, but um, I don't see that as a bad thing. I don't see it as working above things. It's not above the law per se of the universe. You're just learning more about it, and learning more about it gives you insight into manipulating yourself and potentially the world around you in a way that creates a desired effect. Now, that can be good sometimes, and that can be bad, but the fact of the matter is is that we do that in very casual, normal circumstances all the time. I think the difference between doing it all the time versus very intentionally is, is just the intentional part. Like you're very hyper aware of how you're going to affect the world and your desired outcome. And you're doing something to sort of reinforce the back of your head, the magical mind, the part that feels that this is what you want done. And when the back of your mind says, I'm on board, when you can control the feeling part of you to get that on board, then you're fully bought in. You're fully redirected. You start to see things differently. Things that you otherwise would miss in conversation or in your daily life start to pop up. They start to show themselves. If I told you, I want you to look for a sphere everywhere. Your mind needs to be focused on finding spheres in your world. If the back of your head is snapped in and engaged, they'll start popping up everywhere. Everywhere. And they are everywhere. But you, you, you will have changed your perception. You will have changed your, um, uh, your paradigm, your mental paradigm. And that's like one of the strongest things you can do because everyone else is trying to change your mental paradigm. Uh, it's better if you are able to change it yourself and control that versus giving it to everyone else. My, I have friends that are in marketing, and I, I tell them, you're witches, <laughs> you're you're practicing like one of the, one of the the last bastions of witchcraft in the modern technical age is is marketing because you know the the colors and the symbols and the actions and the sights and the sounds to get people to feel a way that moves them in the direction that you want them to move. Uh, so a majority of my academic writing has been on the idea this exact idea and that witchcraft is nothing more than convincing someone of something in a lot of ways through various means but usually through nothing but word of mouth right look at the witches in Macbeth. do they cast spells do they do anything actually witchy not really they just kind of show up and go hey Macbeth, you're going to be king of scotland and he's like oh you're witches you clearly know course i'm going to be king of scotland and then you know thus comes the play you know of of everything that happens but i think that in this sense it's the idea of being active versus being passive you are controlling what you want out of a situation and you are actively working towards that outcome versus sitting back and like letting it happen to you. It's it's saying, here's the goal, this is what I want. I'm gonna work towards it versus here's the goal, here's what I want. I'm gonna sit back and like hope that maybe it like comes along on opportunity, you know? Um and I think that's something that is really, really Im- important in this whole process is saying, here's what I want out of this and here's how I'm gonna go constructively get it. 
um, I am going to actively pursue this situation or, or this outcome versus I'm just going to sit back and let the world happen to me, um, you know, and let outside forces do whatever it is they're going to do. You are controlling those forces. Um, you are going to get the things you are trying to achieve, hopefully, <laughs> through through actively going for it. Um, and I think that's a really powerful part of of this path in in any form it takes it's saying you know i have the power to do this for myself setting up a circle is like that first step of giving you that space to control like it is your space it is your space you know and it's it's very i think it's very rare because you know particularly if you're in a very busy place if you're in a very busy city people don't have their own space sometimes uh but it's it's or people can feel like their space is invaded, particularly if you work in a cubicle world where your cubicle is particularly small. Uh, the ability to sort of designate and claim your space is like the first empowering thing that you end up doing when you are on this path. And you don't realize or it's, it might be difficult to realize just how important that is to everything else that you end up doing. Like you have to, you have to be able to create that line and that feeling that you are protected and enabled and empowered to to control your space, and that's really what it is. Is like uh, you know what you've always got a choice in in what you do, even if that choice is very limited to how you take something. You know how you choose to deal with something that is happening to you that's invaded yourself on a very personal and very physical level. You know you still have a choice. You still have a sphere that puts anything you don't like outside of it, no matter how small it might be within you. And to be able to find that space and to say it is within this space that I am empowered and I have choices, no matter what happens to me, that can give you a sort of peace of mind and security. Uh, and and that's what I found like the most empowering, the most the most critical in that particular symbol. And again, not something they tell you. Like the, when, I, when I first started, they were just like, "This is just what we do." You know, I, I think at that point, teachers just take it for granted. Like they either that or they've just not dove into it very deeply. Uh, but it's just you know, this is what we've always done. This is the tradition. We do a circle. You know, before I was kind of like, well, you know, druids are doing circles, witch Wiccans are doing circles, casual witches are doing. Why are they just copying each other? You know, is it just everybody's kind of like, well, this is just the base format, so we're just going to template it and then do like the stuff inside that's a little bit different, but you know, that makes us traditional over here versus that tradition over there. Uh, and it just makes more sense that when you're talking about a particular symbol, you're trying to get people to feel that there are just some core symbols that communicate that better. And there are a number of paths that recognize that those symbols, that's, that's what you use to communicate that. If you want this, you use that word or you use that symbol. That, that is just, that's something that just spans any number of traditions and practices. You want to get this feeling? Use this symbol. And it is for this reason, because nature does it and we mimic it because it makes sense and because it really works. Uh, and it's easy to buy in on that. So when you had your first circle, did you feel like there was a difference uh, between the outside versus the inside? Like, was it super noticeable or faint or just not at all? Or were you still kind of like on the outside inside kind of thing? 
I mean, I think at that point I was so nervous just about being in an official circle, right? And I say that in quotation marks, but like, you know, we're talking about this and I, I think it's really significant that when you are going to a ritual or, or you know, uh, whatever in, in this vein of, of practice, um, you'll say, I'm going to circle, right? It's, it's like so much, it's, it's such an inherent part of our identity as, as magical workers. Um, and so for me, my first official circle, um, you know, and again, like I, I say that with a, a little humor now looking back on it, like I was like so nervous. Um, I think about being in that situation for the first time. Like I, I definitely noticed it, but I think part of it was just me, like just feeling that, that difference of like, oh, well, I'm on the inside now. Um, and like I've made it here and I've gotten into the circle, you know, there was a little bit of that attitude as well. And then, um, I didn't really know what to expect, you know, that's, it, I think like most of us, you know, uh, with some of the stuff you, you walk in and you really have no idea of what's actually about to happen. So there's that little bit of fear. Um, and just like, you know, I don't, I don't want to screw up. I don't want to, you know, do the wrong thing. I don't want to get kicked out of circle. Um, but then also like, I'm a little bit of afraid of what I'm about to find within this circle. I think, you know, um, it, unless you're, you're totally, um, in the dark about all of this stuff, when you, when you go to your first circle, you, you do have certain expectations, for what might be happening within that circle. And that in and of itself can be kind of terrifying. So um, I like, I, I definitely felt the difference, but um, I don't know if it was so much the circle itself or a combination of the circle and the situation and the people, of course, because the people you're with obviously make a huge difference as well. Um, I do remember stumbling out of that ritual, <laughs> like not really knowing what time it was or where I, I had ended up. Or, um, you know, sort of, um, I definitely lost track of the outside world in that sense. And like, I still like, I still remember that moment. Like, you know, every time um, I walk into circle or leave circle like that, that first end of circle for me was was a moment that stays with me um, and will always stay with me. Um, so how did you how did you handle because this is one of the probably one of the larger issues that that um, we run into I run into when I'm teaching the casting of the circle and it has to do with the visualization aspect and this idea that oftentimes when when the word visualization is used uh, I think it's confused with hallucinating. <laughs> Like, like if you cast this, this, you know, like we see in the movies where stuff happens, things come out of wands and, you know, and you're kind of like, well, that's what I should see, right? That's what I should see. It should be there. I should be able to see it. And I go, no, that's, that's called hallucination. Um, visualization is just having an idea in the moment long enough for the back of your head to go, okay, I get it. <laughs> Uh, but did you run into issues? Do you run into issues as far as having to help people with visualizing the circle or what they should see whenever they're casting a circle? Um, I think I have always been fairly lucky in that aspect. Um, you know, for me, especially the way I cast circle, like that visualization is kind of throughout the entire process. You're walking the circle, you're stopping at the quarters of the circle, um, my altar is a circle and everyone faces inward. Um, so that like visualization, at least in the tradition I practice is, is immediately there. 
Um, but when I've gone to like larger group rituals for other traditions, um, I think it has always been done. It's always been really obvious what's happening and whoever is running ritual. Like there are so many visual cues in that moment. Um, I do think that it's it's something that is even for someone who doesn't really know what's going on, doesn't have that visualization, has not been trained. Um, like I think we've done a lot of work over the years to make sure that visualization is really present. Um, so I've never, I personally have never had a student who've who's had a hard time, at least in the basic ideas of visualizing circle. Um, I think it's more for me the the issues have come with feeling energy and learning how to lay down energy um, and and feeling that that moment where that energy sparks um you know i think that's a that's a slightly harder lesson to learn if you've never done that sort of work before there's a bit of trust that has to happen there like you have to you have to if if you're feeling a little if you're feeling a little bit on the outside on the inside or or fearful of what's going on or just you know unsure and nervous like you had like you had mentioned before uh, it can be kind of difficult to let that spark happen um, which which means that until you kind of come to a point where it normalizes, uh, where it becomes predictable, at that point you're really observing from the inside, and it's difficult for the emotions uh, and the trust to to open up, happen. Like you're still going to be on guard. Just really not really getting around that. Well, and then if you ask, what does a circle feel like? I'm sure that every single one of us will give a different answer to to what that is. So how do you teach someone, um, you know, who you're already, um, who, who's having, you know, to, to trust you in that moment too, and to relax in that moment, to allow themselves to feel what that is, you know, how do you, how do you teach what a circle should feel like, right? Like, and, and again, I'm saying that in quotation marks. Um, and I usually try, um, you know, it's, it's energy, it's heat. Um, it's warmth. Um, as you know, we said earlier, you know, you're inside the circle. It's, it's hot. It's humid. It's, you know, stuff's happening. You leave the circle and it's cold and, you know, very whatever. So when I am first working with students, like I work with heat. I usually try to work with heat and the idea that, you know, you can feel this barrier that we've laid down through heat. But again, that's, that's the way I visualize. That's how I perceive that's my context of the circle so how do you how do you give someone the space to allow them um to perceive a circle in their their own right um and i think a lot of it too is you know especially when you have a, an experienced group or an experienced teacher and you cast the circle you know for a new person i think it's it's really important to stop and step back and say how do you feel right now like what are you what are you perceiving in this moment? How is this affecting you? You know, um, for me, when I'm in circle, my emotions are, are very heightened. Um, you know, like I feel things much more intensely than I, I do when I'm not, you know, within a circle um, in that sense. Um, but, you know, you I think you really have to give students space to to just be there and be present and have that space to be like, okay, 
this is how I'm feeling. You know, I show them the boundaries, right? Here's the circle we just laid down. This is where I feel the boundary of the circle. Do you feel the boundary? Do you feel it outside the boundary? You know, how are you perceiving this space in this moment personally? Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of patience in that sense. Like you can't always just throw someone into the situation and just expect them to understand what's happening. You kind of like my own first experience. I was scared. I was nervous. I was excited. Like there was a lot going on there that had nothing to do with the actual circle. Um, I certainly came out of that, um, having a, a very, uh, specific impression of the circle, but was that the impression I have of circles now? No, not at all. <laughs> um, so some of it is just time too. You know, it's that idea again of practice and that this isn't something that most people just pick up. I mean, I'm sure there, there are brilliant people out there who walk in a circle for the first time and go, Oh, this is a circle. I know how to do this now. We're all good. Um, I would say those people are very, 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 very rare, um, few and far between. So, um, I think being able to say here, here's the circle. You've seen us cast the circle. You've seen us, you've visually seen us cast the circle. You have now felt us cast circle, you know, many times. Um, how do you feel in this space? You know, what, how does this affect you? What, what elements of this stand out to you? What was important to you about this casting? You know, there's always a point in ritual for me where I feel it. Um, is that the same point that everyone else feels it? Probably not. But there is a point in my ritual where I'm like, we are here, we are in ritual, we are casting circle, the energy's there. Um, you know, how do you teach someone to feel that or acknowledge that or understand that? Um, and I think that it, it really is a matter of letting them be in that space and to perceive it on all levels and then work with you through that, what stands out, what, what they are feeling and perceiving in that moment. Yep, that's absolutely right. Uh, well, it's hard to speak on that really because that's all super true. I, one of the one of the one of the things that I think people tend to struggle with that I've run into is this idea that they should they should see something. And what you'd mentioned is that you don't you don't necessarily perceive it with sight. I mean, there are visual cues when somebody walks around. When you see a group of people in a circle. Uh, and if you asked any one person, go find the edge of the circle. Generally, they could walk to any place, and they could they could have a feel for yeah. I feel like this is the edge. You don't have to see it. You might imagine it. You could imagine a light coming out of your finger, or that you're drawing something in the air, uh, and that will come and it will go, like it will fade. I, what I tell people, I said, it's important that you feel that it is there, regardless of how you draw it in your mind, regardless of, of how you want to experience that. If you want to experience heat, that's cool. You know, uh, if you just, you know, if you want to imagine like a, a, a colored light or something, whatever it takes to communicate that feeling to the back of your head is what's important. Once you've left that feeling in your mind, you, that your mind knows the boundary and it accepts that. You don't have to see it anymore. You'll know it. You'll know it when you get to the edge. You'll know it if you cross it. You know, I think if you took somebody right up to the edge of the circle and said, okay, we're just going to take baby steps, inches, and, you know, okay, a couple inches more. Are, are you still in the circle? Okay, a couple inches more. Are you still in the circle? A couple inches more. Are you still in the circle? No, you're not. How do you know? And and oftentimes, you know, the answer will just come back to is I, I just, I don't feel like I'm, 
I'm within it anymore. I just like it's almost as if there is definitely a de- feeling, a delineation, but that it's really hard to define. But that they definitely know it when you when you make them cross that line. I definitely do that with students. Uh, that's something. That's an ex- exercise I do with all of my students because I, I think it's really I love, am- I, I love it too, and I think it's really amazing. Even when you have someone who's brand new who's never been in a circle before, they can tell you when they are no longer in the circle. Like there's definitely that moment where they go that inch too far and they're like, oh, yep, I'm out now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And that's when you can say that part of you that we're trying to talk to, like I'm, I'm, I'm talking to Cassandra, but I'm, I'm talking to the, the person behind you, within you, you know, that, that is when that part of you is bought in. Both sides are bought in. I know where that is. And a part of me feels where that is. And the part of me that's feeling it almost dictates to the front side, to my mundane side, where it is. You know, it's almost like when you cross a line with somebody emotionally and you're like, ooh, I went too far. And you know it. You just know it. You feel icky about it. You feel horrible. You know you said something that didn't come off right. And and you just know, even if it's not super telling in the person that heard it, you know you crossed the line. And it might even be difficult to tell exactly what you did to cross it, but you know you're there. And it's the same kind of feeling. I mean, you don't feel icky. You just feel like there's a difference. Well, and I think it's, you know, a lot of what we do in these moments, too. It is it is that subconscious. You know, when I am in circle, I really try to let go of my conscious mind. And I'm really trying to perceive with my subconscious the things that, you know, my my conscious self would not necessarily perceive you know you've got that that rational logical level that has to sort of be let go in a lot of ways right um oh shoot there's a famous quote i can't think of the author's name right now but you know children see magic because they look for it right and you know as as adults you know maybe it's different if you are a younger person coming into this the practice for the first time um as adults there's a lot of things society has taught us that we have to set aside in these moments. Um, And I think the circle is a really, really integral part of that subconscious feeling of where we are and what we're doing. And when you can hit the point where that circle is just a part of yourself, a part of that that subconscious part of you, like you're saying, like, you know, when you're there, (laughs) you know, when you've hit that point, when you've let go of, you know, the world around you, um, I think that's, that's a really important thing that it's, it's a lot harder to teach that, right? Um, in a lot of ways you can't teach that because that's someone, you know, trusting and letting go and listening to themselves in a way that you can't control for them. You know, you can describe it to them, you can explain it to them, you can say this is the process you go through. Um, but they have to do that work. You know, that's that's a part of their process, not yours. And everyone reaches that in a different way. It's a bit like it's a bit like going to a beach in a bathing suit for the first time. Uh, and, and, and bear with me here. I love metaphors. Uh, it, but I mean, you're going you're going in a relatively naked fashion. I mean, you're going to a place that's public, and you're going in an outfit that, generally speaking, is very exposing. Um, and if you've never been in that situation and everyone's like, yeah, everyone wears a bikini, it's not a big deal. You know, you're not wearing anything more than panties and a bra in public. It just happens to be, you know, something for water, but you're going into that space feeling exposed and it it really just requires, 
getting in there and experiencing that and then just realizing that it is okay to feel this exposed in this circumstance. And after a while, it's no big deal. Everyone else is on the beach wearing practically nothing and going into the water. No one's paying attention to me. This really is a safe space where no one's judging me for being, you know, relatively naked and open and and vulnerable. And then once you're in that place, uh, you're you're free to do whatever you want. Once you become comfortable with that, you realize I I really am free to like get in the water with clothes on. And that sounds like an unusual thing to pitch, but. You know, when I was a kid living in Florida, you know, for a little while that was kind of an issue, and then after a while I realized pretty quickly that that everyone else was doing this, and, and you know that that situation uh, opened up new experiences uh, than than I otherwise would have had at home or just playing with kids in the neighborhood. It was just a different circumstance of feeling exposed and free to go out into the ocean. So uh, I think circle is very similar to that. You know, your first experience likely, if it's not by yourself, if it's with other people, is going to be that of of like going on to a public beach in a bathing suit you're very uncomfortable with. Uh, and then there's that fear of people judging you. And then, you know, you'll get over that pretty quickly because you realize it is a place of trust. Well, and I, we can certainly... Re refine that, retune that very same idea to our, our current situation, right? I'm sitting in Manhattan in the middle of COVID-19 and um, going outside right now for me is is not a comfortable thing, right? You know, um, and as it, it's, you know, it's been interesting for me as a practitioner in this particular moment in time, in this very specific place um, to sort of readjust myself and how I function within my personal circle in the midst of this, right? Um, you know, Your circle has a definite boundary. It's called six feet. Yes, exactly. And, you know, it definitely, um, it, it's, it's almost funny in that sense, you know, walking outside these days, you know, it, it, it's, you know, not just six feet, it's wearing a mask, it's having gloves. Um, it's realizing that on Beltane, I couldn't go out and celebrate the way I would normally celebrate Beltane, right? Um, and it, it, it's been an interesting experience in that sense as a practitioner because, you know, the circle and the boundaries I usually carry with me now are so much more important now um, in the sense of just moving about daily life um, in the midst of this and living in this, this amazing city, you know, that's kind of going through this terrible situation right now. I know everyone is, but like, we're, we're really feeling it in, in Manhattan these days. And, um, I don't know if you can hear it right now. I've got my windows open there. The, um, people are cheering for our, our, our essential workers right now and our nurses and our doctors and, uh, everyone else who's out there. And it's a, it's a really powerful thing. Um, and it's it's interesting too, as a a community, how the circle has also been expanded in that way, um, you know, and that we're all um, you know quarantined separately and alone, and yet like right now, like all of my neighbors are out there screaming and yelling and ringing bells and um, showing all this love for the city, you know. So um, I think circles are so important in every situation, but they also change, right? They also change, they adapt the, you know, the way you feel the circle, the first time you feel that circle 
or perceive it for the first time is going to change as you learn and you grow and you experience um, and within whatever circumstance you're you're functioning within. Um, and like, this is the first time in a really long time that I've had to kind of stop myself and go, oh, this is different. This has changed. I have to readjust myself a little bit. You know, it's still there. It's still the same. But like, here are these little adjustments that need to happen. Um, you know, so it's not um, a stagnant thing once you've got it. You know, it's ever changing and growing, whatever. Um, and I, it, it's been a good reminder. It's been a good reminder for me. <laughs> that's, that's that's interesting you should mention that because I really hadn't related it to current time. But you're absolutely right. Like, this is a perfect time to practice this sort of thing. Like, if you need to really visualize your space and you want to carry that, that inner circle with you and you want to expand that out, like, this is a great time to practice that sort of inner feeling visualization that of what six feet is. So that, you know, you know when somebody's invaded your space. Like if you can if you can walk amongst the world as a means of not not very frequently, hopefully, but if you need be to be able to kind of again reach into the pocket and use the marble to feel and expand that circle and to actually know that there is legitimacy in that space between you and the people on the outside of your circle that you're trying to keep on the outside of your circle and the kind of the offense, the the offense is the best word I'm going to use right now, but of somebody entering that space and that feeling like you need to, you know, bounce off of their space to keep that, that circle around you, to, you know, without others kind of passing through it, without offending that, that space of, of personal distance. Like, this is a great means of practicing this sort of thing. Like, if anybody is, is, wants to practice circle and visualization don't go out very often but you know when you go to the store imagine your circle is your six feet and that everyone else needs to stay outside of it and that that is your your spiritual boundary and rather than it being kind of bunched up on the inside now it's now it's now you're allowed to expand it and other people will respect it because they're following the same circle rules too and it's just that's kind of a really cool thing that we can kind of practice that even though, you know, it's, again, you know, kind of a dangerous times, unusual times. No, I, I have felt that my personal frequencies, my own energy has been shaken up by all of this, right? Like, mm -hmm. I, I react very differently to the world right now than I normally do. There's a level of anxiety and fear when I have to go out in public, you know, um, that I don't usually carry with me. And so then how does that affect something like the circle you're casting and the energy you're putting out, you know, um, and then the, the how people perceive you when you are out, like you're saying, you know, if you walk out, you know, carrying this with you, then maybe it'll calm and soothe the other people who are feeling the same level of fear and anxiety that you are, you know, um, doing basic normal everyday tasks like going to the grocery store. Um, and, you know, that I think has helped me a great deal, you know, as a person who lives alone, um, you know, and is quarantined alone, uh, and has to then go out and face the world alone. Um, it was a really solid reminder to me about the importance of these, these practices that in some ways I think I had taken for granted for a very long time, um, in terms of what's what's happening around us, um, and so while I, I don't necessarily, I, I didn't necessarily want the reminder. <laughs> I, I think it, it was also a, a good one to have, um, just in my own personal practice. So what I'm hearing you saying is that 
before someone comes into your apartment and you break out the athame, you put it to their throat and you say, it would be better for you to fall upon my knife than for you to enter not in perfect love, perfect trust, trust and perfect health. <laughs> You're committing to all three before coming into my sacred space, which is my whole apartment. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, it's, it, is, it is strange times, but it is a, a great way to practice that. So if anybody's feeling kind of on the outs and you find yourself in a situation where you have to go out, uh, you know, the silver lining there is that it's a great way to practice that expanding that circle. You know, and, and and knowing that most people are going to kind of feel it as well, which is weird because most people wouldn't. Like most people wouldn't respect personal space. You you're brushing shoulders with people daily on a busy street. It's just the way it is. So, yeah, it is kind of an interesting thing. So, to anybody who comes to you regarding a circle, and these are kind of you know last thoughts before we we close up this episode. Um. If you could give them one sentence about, you know, the use of circles in their life or, you know, in their sacred space or whatnot, what would be, you know, a single piece of advice that you could throw onto a fortune cookie? Feel free to take your time. I can always edit that out. <laughs> um, I think my piece of advice is that a circle is a tool you use to put yourself in sacred space, um, in... Um, maybe not just sacred space, but in your personal space in order to do whatever thing you want to accomplish. It is the space you need um, to focus on what's really important, whatever that is, um, and to put out the right sort of energy that you want to put out, um, again, for whatever your goal or outcome is. I, that's, that's a little bit more than a, a, a fortune cookie sentence. I think a circle at its base level is a boundary. Um, it's a boundary that gives you space to do what you need to do. All right. All right. So fair is fair. I'll answer that question as well. I, I would say that uh, it, you are a sphere of influence and recognizing that by using your circle gives you the power to determine who and what enters your orbit and how long they stay. Use it liberally. I like that too. I like that a lot. <laughs> All right. So this has been an awesome episode. I super appreciate your input. This is Reverend Wade. This is Cassandra. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.